It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Your team every single day throughout the weekday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to keep watching the show on YouTube. And if you aren't, go to YouTube.com, search Locked On Panthers, and click the subscribe button. Close to 300 subscribers in our third week. So basically, we're on a pace of 100 subscribers per week. So let's get to 300, guys. Get up that number today and be sure to keep following the show over on Spotify or Apple Podcasts where you can rate, review, and subscribe or wherever you listen to this show and all your favorite shows across the Locked On Podcast Network. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council because tomorrow's Friday and every single Friday, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. So get those questions into me now by either adding me at Julian Council or DMing me at Julian Council. On today's show, Ellis Williams of the Charlotte Observer covers the Carolina Panthers, was up in Indy last week for the NFL Scouting Combine. We'll get his perspective on a potential Christian McCaffrey trade and where the Carolina Panthers are going to go here in the next week in trying to fill the holes on the offensive line and potentially at quarterback and speaking of quarterback let's start there before we bring on Ellis to this episode of the show who buddy it has heated up we talked about on Wednesday's show how the Denver Broncos had traded for Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers was staying in Green Bay two pipe dream scenarios for the Carolina Panthers went up in smoke not really anything to get upset about let's be honest we knew that was going to happen maybe Russell if he thought I want to go back to North Carolina. I played college ball there at NC State for a couple seasons. I know Scott Fitterer. Apparently, the Carolina Panthers did inquire. As Fitterer always told us from day one, he would be in on every deal. But just because you're in on the deal does not mean that player wants to go there. Russell Wilson wanted to do right by Seattle by going to the AFC. And he also wanted to go to an organization as aggressive as Denver that has the pedigree of Elway and Manning and winning Super Bowls. So that's where he's going to go. He also wanted to play for an offensive-minded head coach. Do we have that here in Carolina? No. Matt Rule has not shown really any sort of uh, ability to be an offensive savant, and Joe Brady, who was supposed to be one, well, wasn't really given the tools and the toolkit that he needed, and probably a little bit over his skis when it came to being OC in the NFL at his age. Either way, Russell Wilson off the board, Aaron Rodgers off the board, and let's go ahead and cross Carson Wentz off the board. Thank God. Woo, that one actually concerned me. I know I brought it up about potentially if you're going to keep Sam Darnold, you're not going to get one of these top guys like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. Hey, Carson Wentz, according to Chris Mortensen a couple weeks ago of ESPN, that the Colts were either going to trade Carson Wentz or cut him by the beginning of the new league year, but they decided to trade him to the Washington football team. Oh, sorry. 
Commanders, the Washington Commanders. Our good friend Ron Rivera did us a solid by taking a quarterback. The Carolina Panthers potentially could have made a mistake by giving up assets for. Washington's desperate. Carolina's desperate. Tampa doesn't really seem to be all that desperate. Neither are New Orleans. Denver was. They got their man, and Pittsburgh's desperate as well. And you're seeing that desperation play out throughout this reagency period before it even starts as teams have made every attempt that they can to find a quarterback. Does Washington think that Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback? I don't know how they could. He went to Philadelphia, had the injuries, lacked leadership, had erratic play, ter terrible decisions, went to Indy to play for Frank Reich, who was his OC back when they won the Super Bowl in Philadelphia when he was injured, and Nick Foles beat out Tom Brady in that Super Bowl game over in Minneapolis. The thought was he'd go to Frank Reich in Indy, and he would be saved. Looked good for a period of time. Didn't start off great. They bounced back, had got COVID, or was at least in a protocol. Came back, played bad. Colts missed it. Jim Irsay was heated. He was on the tarmac outside of his private jet talking about this is unacceptable and basically saying, get this guy out of my city. Does that sound familiar, folks? Sounds like David Tepper with Teddy Bridgewater two weeks left in the season after firing Marty Herney, saying you got to go find a quarterback who can take you to the promised land. Well, the Colts, after one season and giving up first-round picks, have said, we're done. And Washington said, we're in. Ooh, okay, fine, good, take him. The only thing about that that makes me nervous as it pertains to your Carolina Panthers, our Carolina Panthers, is that they're getting ready to do something stupid. They're getting ready. They got something cooked up, and they're fixing to just torpedo their plans here in 2022. I said to y'all yesterday, Deshaun Watson, he's apparently going in front of a grand jury on Friday in Houston to try and deal with the, uh, the criminal counts that are against him. And according to Dan Lust, who does the, the conduct detrimental – Sorry, Conduct Detrimental Podcast, which is hosted with Dan Wallach. Both of those guys are licensed attorneys. They pay attention to all this stuff. They would know. It appears that it's very likely that Deshaun Watson, based off of history, is going to be indicted on criminal charges either on Friday or someday very soon after on Friday, which would mean that he's going to be off the board for the Carolina Panthers. So let's go ahead and throw that away. There is a possibility, just going off a of legal precedent and how these things typically go, grand three he will likely be indicted so that coming from dan lust sorry yeah dan lust and dan wallach two guys who are licensed attorneys who know how this works out so if that's the case he's not gonna be an option for carolina so who will be an option for carolina well, wentz is already gone they weren't gonna get rogers or wilson are they going to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? The Colts are now interested in a quarterback. Um, Seattle now will be interested in a quarterback and have a ton of ammunition. Pittsburgh's be interested in a quarterback. Tampa, they might just be downplaying their level of interest. That has me concerned about where the Carolina Panthers go from here. Because Garoppolo, with the shoulder, he hopes to be ready weeks before the training camp, be back to throwing the football. Will that be the case? Will he be a part of OTAs or minicamp? It doesn't really seem all that likely right now, just thinking about the timeline. And do you want to deal with a quarterback with a shoulder injury? I certainly do not, especially someone who has to have the perfect situation around him for your team to maximize its success. But unfortunately, that success does not land you the Lombardi Trophy. If it didn't work in San Francisco, 
do you think Carolina has the infrastructure infrastructure to get it done here? Gardner Minshew, do you really want to trade for Gardner Minshew? You want to give up assets for a guy who's not a starting quarterback in the National Football League. What sense does that make? The Carolina Panthers are running out of options. And that is scary because they might just do something incredibly dumb. And if they do, all it's going to do is potentially set the franchise back even further than where they already are. And I hear you. Well, we're already screwed. We have Sam Darnold. Well, so be it. Would you rather lose picks and assets and cap space for someone who can't get it done or just bite the bullet, cross your fingers, drop your knees and pray to God that maybe Darnold rule and his Panthers organization can get it figured out next season? Because at this point in time, with the top guys gone off the board, the middle tier guys only available, if you want to take a risk at quarterback, it should be Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, but not at six. Not at six. Let's get Ellis Williams' thoughts on what's going on in Carolina. He was up in the combine, up at the combine last week, and he also has done some reporting. What are, her, what are his thoughts on what the Panthers are going to do with the quarterback situation and potentially trading Christian McCaffrey? All that coming up right now on Locked on Panthers. It's that time of the year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us from all the latest odds, contests, and player props. BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline where the game starts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, as promised here on Locked On Panthers, now joined by Ellis Williams of the Charlotte Observer. He covers your Carolina Panthers. Follow him on Twitter, at Book of Ellis. Second time on the show. Ellis, welcome back, man. Julian, good to be here. And I just want to say I will be exponentially more positive than friend of the podcast, Stephen Ruiz, uh, <laughs> both purposely and because that's part of our job, right? I listened to when Stephen came on and just got a hoot out of that episode, man. That must have been fun for you, MC. Yeah, actually, it's great because... He honestly echoes how most fans feel. I try to be as positive as I can be. And my friends who know me would not call me the most positive person when it comes to my sports teams. But here's the thing. I don't have a ton of expectations for any of the teams here in Charlotte. All they've done is disappoint us. So the fact that every year people get hyped up for the Panthers, when in all likelihood, we're not going to win a Super Bowl. And they've never had back-to-back winning seasons. Eh, It's hard to be that positive. But the level that Steven showed that afternoon, that was impressive. <laughs> you took it to another level. And uh, I'm going to, like I said, try to bring that up a little bit. I'm not from around here, so maybe I'm naive to, you know, all, all the jadedness. Uh, but let's get into it. I'm looking forward to it. 
I mean, bro, you came from Cleveland, so I, I feel like it can't be worse than that. But hey, they're a loyal fan base. I don't know if we can say that about the folks here because they start losing. You start seeing folks like the Vikings fans take over the stadium. And it might be worse this year with Pittsburgh and San Francisco coming to town if they don't get things worked out in the next couple of weeks. Let's get into it. You were at the scouting combine in Indianapolis last week. A lot of murmurs about the Panthers being pretty dead set on a quarterback or on an offensive lineman at six, trying to find a quarterback. Any insight you can give to us on what you heard last week when you're up in Indy talking amongst all the movers and shakers in the NFL? Yeah, so we can start with quarterback. And I think the biggest takeaway was starting with Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett's performances on the field and in the interview room that shifted both positive outcomes, shifted the Panthers uh, higher ups to become more comfortable with the idea of selecting a quarterback, whether that be at six or you trade down. That whole trade uh, discussion is getting more interesting now because we've seen both uh, Denver and Washington, two teams behind Carolina in the draft, who yeah. will quarterback needy teams no longer need quarterbacks. Now that means the, the Colts are now in the market and potentially the Seahawks. So you, you, you take away to add to, I get why that gets dicey, but just from a draft order standpoint, it, it changes the math a little bit. Yeah. Point being, the Panthers, if they're going to select a quarterback, are probably best suited to do it at six. I, I saw another report, and it's it's that time of year. You can't open Twitter without seeing some rumor or report, right? But yeah. I saw something um, that tied Malik Willis as high as number two to Detroit, which seems incredibly unlikely. But I'm just saying, if, right? Point being, if the Panthers uh, continue to grow more comfortable with one of these guys, I think six is just where you go get your guy. At the end of the day, this is – uh, you're, we're talking quarterbacks in the NFL draft. They're always going to have their value uh, balloon this time of year. Uh, as for the veteran market, I already mentioned, you know, I, I came away with the idea that uh, the veteran guys weren't going to be available. Aaron Rodgers was going to stay put. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson, though available, did not have any interest in Carolina. Uh, I had one uh, executive tell me, pretty well-placed source, that Russell Wilson uh, desired to head further west than head east and russ playing in seattle i think my source meant he wants to get closer to la right. you know because that would put him in the pacific ocean somewhere yeah, right? yeah they, don't, they don't play in hawaii just yet exactly so after hearing that i knew russ was um off the table and then that shifts your attention to kirk cousins and Derek carr um some well-placed sources in minnesota tell me that kirk moving kirk cousins doesn't really seem plausible both from a money standpoint and just the excitement around the organization to pair him with Kevin O'Connell now, their new head coach coming over from the Los Angeles Rams, and and just kind of reinvigorate that franchise and see what they can do with Kirk Cousins. And then similar stuff I'm hearing with Derek Carr, uh, new coach there and Josh McDaniels, they seem eager to build around him, which then brings the Panthers' attention to which would have been Carson Wentz or Jimmy Garoppolo. We already see Wentz go. Ooh, yeah, thank God. I know, right? And then Jimmy Garoppolo now it came out over the combine week that he was having shoulder surgery, should be available by training camp. But that makes his market questionable. And I reported weeks ago that there's people inside the Panthers organization that don't even see Jimmy Garoppolo as an upgrade. They see they would see that as a lateral movement from Sam Darnold to Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I, no. I, I get the framework. We're nitpicking there when it comes to mm -hmm. tiers. So I, I get the logic. Um, so all of that lands the Panthers with Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, or, or a rookie. And there's some other names you can watch there too. But I heard a lot of positive buzz about Mitch Trubisky, which probably speaks more to how dire the market is than, right, than necessarily Mitch's rebirth. 
if you will. Um, but from a quarterback standpoint, we can get into a lot more things I heard on, from the non-quarterback spot. But from the signal caller position, the Panthers are in a tough spot, and I have a feeling that may push them closer and closer to selecting somebody at six. Of course, you know we've been going maybe two, three minutes now and haven't said Deshaun Watson's name. If Deshaun Watson becomes available, that changes everything. Yeah, and I talk, I mentioned it before you came on here on the show. Dan Lust, who does these conduct detrimental podcasts, he's a licensed attorney, does it with Dan Wallach. He was I was talking to him on Twitter today, and he was basically saying it's pretty probable and very likely that he's going to get indicted on Friday or the days following Friday, just based off of the legal precedent there, which would likely not have him as an option for the Panthers. That's not. You try to be positive, but that's just the reality of the situation for the team here. I never felt like the top three guys, Watson included, and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers would ever want to come to Carolina just looking at the infrastructure that is here right now with only one reliable wide receiver, a running back who's often injured the past two seasons, and an offensive line that is lacking at every spot except for right tackle with Taylor Moten. We'll see what Brady Christensen develops in whenever he gets placed at his permanent position, whether at guard or potentially at left tackle, Kirk Cousins never made a lot of sense to me, which is a salary cap, $35 million that we're going to trade for him. Garoppolo, I think he's better than Sam Darnold, but you need a lot around him to have a lot of success. Maybe Sam Darnold, if put in a situation that Garoppolo was in the last couple of seasons in San Francisco, might actually have success. It's hard for me to believe after watching four years of the worst tape in the National Football League. And I love Mitch Trubisky and what he did at Carolina with the Tar Heels, but Come on. I just don't see why it would make sense. If they wanted to do that, they could have done it last year when he would have cost the team nothing at all. Instead, they gave up three. And it still doesn't cost him anything except apparently an eight-figure salary. So at this point, does it feel like the draft is where they're going to get a quarterback? They, they, it's not like they have to make a move, but it feels like they have to make a move. And Scott Fitterer said at the exit interviews following the game against Tampa that ended the season that they won't force the quarterback move but like you got to do something. You can't just run it back with Sam Darnold and have no one here, at least for competition. Right. They have no intention of opening week one with Sam Darnold as the starter. Now things change. uh, Moves don't work out how you anticipate, but somebody will be brought in here to at least challenge Sam Darnold. As you said, at the combine during uh, Scott's at the podium session, he came out, and, and said the, the quarterback competition is open. And, and that yeah. tells you all you need to know regarding uh, their plans on bringing someone in here. Uh, again, I anticipate this either being a rookie, a guy like Mitch Trubisky or Marcus Mariota or Deshaun Watson, if he becomes available. But the thing with Watson, as you said, it, it's not looking good. Of course, depending on Friday, uh, there's a whole bunch of baggage that comes with bringing Deshaun Watson to an organization that, you know, that has a history uh, with how the team was sold. Uh, Listeners know what I'm alluding to there. And there's always mystery players when someone becomes available like that. And by players, I mean organizations. Tampa Bay could all of a sudden become a a spot. The Pittsburgh Steelers could all of a sudden challenge for Deshaun Watson. So, and the Philadelphia Eagles have simply have more firepower than Carolina with three first round picks. So even if he does, you know, he is cleared and this market becomes robust again for Watson. I don't know if Carolina is necessarily even a top three landing spot uh, for the, the Texans in battle quarterback. So uh, the, this is becoming a, a, a situation where in hindsight, 
you, you probably just take Justin Fields or Mac Jones a year ago and we're not having this conversation. But um, I don't think Scott Fitterer or David Tepper own a time machine or Matt Rule probably wouldn't be here either. But that's yeah, where we're at. That's a good point because they bet on the fact that what they thought would be Sam Darnold plus the eighth pick, which turned out to be J.C. Horn, would be better than either Mac Jones or Justin Fields. Mac Jones looks like it's a good start. He also started – he played in New England, and that helps out a lot. Justin Fields, lame duck head coach and Matt Nagy, we knew he wasn't going to last the season most li- very likely, did not, fired, now gone back to Kansas City. We'll see how his career goes from here. We'll see what happens to Justin Fields. But so far, we know that they whipped on the quarterback por- portion of that. Maybe J.C. Horn becomes a Hall of Famer. I don't think that's going to ease anybody's concerns right. about the quarterback spot until they're able to find one here in Carolina. The other big news I feel like that came out of the combine was just the Panthers and what their intentions are with the offensive line. Do you get the same feeling that I've heard from J- Daniel Jeremiah and from Todd McShay and all those draft experts? The Panthers are pretty keen on at six taking a offensive lineman, even it now looking at the situation where a quarterback or the best chance they have might just be right there at six at getting a rookie. Yeah. So the reason it, those reports are coming out that the Panthers are, are keen or locking in on a, a tackle there at six is because it's the safest move. Yeah. You know, the, this is a, a top heavy class in terms of tackle. Um, you know, Iquanu is a guy who's worthy of going first overall. Evan Neal's a, a can't miss prospect with easily the highest floor. Uh, then you're looking at a guy like Charles Cross, who, you know, maybe needs to put on a little more weight. Uh, get more sound in the running game. But I was talking to a scout yesterday who labeled him as the most athletic tackle in this draft. Um, you know, that's three guys and the Panthers are only picking six. And then yeah. after that, you got Trevor Penning, whose stock is skyrocketing. You know, I couldn't talk to anybody about the offensive line without hearing about Trevor Penning. And then a name to watch, uh, a, a, a prospect that scouts didn't want to talk a lot about because they're, everyone's really grown to love him is, is Tyler Smith out of uh, Tulsa. Uh, he's got guard and tackle capabilities, but a, a, a scout I trust sees him mostly as a tackle and a guy who should be a day two pick, but being into a day one option. And scouts just love this young man's tape. He's fierce. He's nasty. He's athletic. And somebody who, if the Panthers were to trade back, they could target in the you know 20s or even if they recoup a second round pick, find him there. Um, so there are options in this draft in terms of tackle, meaning you really can get a, a solid option anywhere in the top 40, it seems like. There, there probably is a drop-off somewhere uh, there after penning. Uh, but that, to me, feels like the safest route. But is it the w- way to best allocate your resources? That's the question. I expect the Panthers to be aggressive in free agency uh, signing guards. And then you have the flexibility of Brady Christensen either being able to play him at tackle or move him inside. So the one thing on the Panther side in terms of offensive line is they have two players they are really high on, and Taylor Moten, of course, and Brady Christensen. Christian provide, excuse me, Christensen provides that flexibility. They're sitting in a spot in the draft where they can grab a tackle if need be, and there are some guards they're starting to like in free agency. And they signed one of the more well-respected offensive line coaches in pro football in James Campen. So when you bring that all together, this offensive line should look night and day different than it did a year ago. But that all, and then it all comes back to quarterback, right? And and until they get that figured out, the offensive line can refigure itself. But who is going to be that guy behind the remade offensive line? That's what we keep coming back to. 
Okay, you said a couple things that I want to hit on here in just a moment. So let's take a quick pause here with Ellis Williams, and we'll be right back here on Locked on Panthers. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, back here on Locked On Panthers with Ellis Williams. Writes for the Charlotte Observer, covers your Carolina Panthers. Follow him on Twitter, at Book of Ellis. All right, Ellis, you talked about a potential trade back. What is the appetite for the Panthers right now, just from what you've been able to get some insight on, and then potentially want to trade back, just knowing the needs that they have on this roster? I know Carolina would love to recoup some of those day two picks. Essentially, the picks that they uh, forfeited in acquiring Sam Darnold and moving for C.J. Henderson last year. Uh, they, currently, they don't have a day two pick. They pick at six and then not again until round four at, I believe, 105 or 106. Mm-hmm. And to do that, they'd much rather trade that six pick, stay in the first round somewhere, uh, moving back, of course, grabbing a, a round two or round three pick and, and continuing that way. They're not afraid to part with a, a player or two if the price is right. But it, I see it seems like they'd rather hang on to that talent. And if they're going to trade a player, it, it would be for a quarterback, which with that market dwindling, it seems like Deshaun Watson's the only guy who uh, you would trade a player for at, at this point. So there definitely is a priority on trading back. Uh, one thing that's really helping the Panthers right now is Malik Willis continues to just steal the pre-draft process show, whether it's you know him unloading at the combine on that deep ball, them lining up Chris Olave and at wide receiver, you know, a 4-2-40 speed wide receiver and Malik still overthrowing him at the combine or the the viral clip of Malik handing out uh, some freebies to a woman on the the side of the road in in Indianapolis there. Uh, This young man couldn't have more positive buzz right now, which makes a team trading up for him um, more attractive while the negative press of Kenny Pickett's hands, uh, I thought initially hurt the value of that sixth pick. But Scott Fitterer, I will end on this, was – um, strong to point out that he believes and is certain there's a franchise-changing player there at six, whether it's a quarterback, an offensive tackle, or perhaps a defensive player like Kyle Hamilton, the, the safety, which bodes well for Carolina. Uh, if a team wants to move up and get aggressive, uh, GM Scott Fitterer is confident there's a franchise-changing player there, which would then make you think, well, why not just take a guy there, which I think yeah. they're comfortable doing that as well. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. He he's basically said in the past too. You get to about 16, 18th yeah. of the draft, and after that, they're all pretty much the same talent wise. So they're going to trade back. I don't think they're going to trade back too far past that at all. And, and I think back to you know he said I mean, we they fall in love with the quarterback, and he talked about that's the place to take a quarterback. I would not be shocked if they do it. Does Willis seem like the guy? I know we talk about Pickett because once upon a time he was committed to Matt Rule and David Tepper and his ties to the University of Pittsburgh and all that. But Willis seemed like to be the QB1 coming out of last week. If they do that, does he start right away? Because it's I hear from all the draft people that it's a he's a project, that he's not ready to go out there and play. 
And what would that even mean for Matt Rule? And I know Rule said this before that he's going to make it. He's not going to make decisions based off of his future in Carolina, like trying to win now. He's going to try and do what's best for the organization. I don't buy that at all because everyone wants to be able to keep their job and they're not going to make decisions and help people in the future if they're not going to be here in Carolina. I just wonder, like, do, like what would happen? Like, just from your thoughts and just from what you've heard, would he be the candidate to start day one or would they just kind of ease him along? Right. Um, I didn't talk to one scout in Indy that thought that Malik Willis is a capable day one starter. This is shaping out to me to be a uh, Trey Lance versus Mac Jones situation, you know, and how polarizing different um, Mac Jones and Trey Lance were as prospects. It it seemed like um, last year the Niners were set on selecting Mac Jones, at least Kyle Shanahan was, and this has been well reported. And then as the process drew out, uh, they, they landed with the traits guy and Trey Lance and, you know, we haven't really seen Trey play yet. Um, it, it seems similar to where Kenny Pickett, you could plug in day one. Uh, he's already shown a, a maturation process, you know, consistently throwing 12 or 13 touchdowns in his college career and then ballooning up to 42 uh, this past season and just showing complete mastery of his uh, pro-style offense there with Pitt, uh, just complete command in the red zone, um, timely, uh, enough uh, footwork to create off script at times. They weren't afraid to use him as a runner. The more you watch the tape of Kenny Pickett, there's a lot to like it. The things that aren't really popping on tape is uh, a do- dominant arm strength. But I- I've talked to a couple former ACC coaches and they say, don't worry about that. He's got the arm strength. Don't worry about his hand size. Uh, sometimes just gripping a, a larger football, the pro ball uh, helps quarterbacks regardless of hand size. I thought that was an interesting note. Um, teams are really just kind of laughing off Kenny Pickett's hand size. So there's no reason to be concerned there, but to, to wrap this up, it, it really is becoming Malik, not a day one starter, Kenny Pickett, uh, a plug and play day one guy. And then you're having a ceiling conversation, which is going to lean towards Malik Willis, but doesn't bode well for the immediate solution that Carolina is searching for. You brought up the Panthers are going to be pretty aggressive in trying to find a guard as free agency starts next week. Monday is the beginning of the legal tampering period. Always found that to be a funny way to put it. Legal tampering. Yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, That's a lead for you. (laughs) Yeah. um, At guard, who are some of the prospects, the guys who are available, the free agents available that you expect them to be reaching out to and potentially trying to sign? Yeah, uh, it's actually a story I'm working on for later in this week. Um, there's a lot of names to like. Brandon Sheriff was a guy at the top of that list who, you know, would be the dream guy. He might cost too much. Austin Corbett um, is a player who was deemed a bust in Cleveland, uh, but really remade himself and had a nice year in Los Angeles. He'll be available, but he's going to be looking for, you know, decent money. Um, Quentin Spain is another one. I, I, I wrote about him during the trade deadline. Um, and he'll be available now. So those are three names that come to mind off the top of my head. Um, the money that the Panthers have made available through the restructures of, of Taylor Moten and, and, and Shaq Thompson uh, largely allow them to be players in free agency for one or two of these guards. But I think it's important to keep in mind that some of that money just needs to be allocated to uh, resources that they have not yet made available, meaning um, they just want to have $9 million available for in season to give them some yeah. flexibility there when things happen. And then you always allocate about 7 million 
to rookies. So that right there cuts 13 million basically, right? Because 29 yeah. minus nine. Yeah, because I was trying to get that across to the audience. I'm glad you brought those numbers up because I, I was saying about probably eight for the season. So it's nine for the season. And then you said about seven for your rookies. For rookies yeah. So yeah, so 29 minus 16, $13 million, which is not that much to really work with. Not a ton. And there may be one or two more restructures happening. Uh, Pat Elfline would be an easy one. Christian McCaffrey is another one to watch. So that number could go up a little bit, but it's not like Carolina is going to be major players for one of these top tackles or even a, a top guard. They're going to be middle-class uh, players, which means they're going to have to identify these guys accurately and, and not make the mistakes they made with Cam Irving or Pat Elfline a year ago. Okay, so temper your expectations then as far as it goes with some of these free agent guards. And I would say the same thing with tackle. I saw on Spotrack, Spotrack, how the hell you pronounce it, right. that the, the valuation for a Tehran Armstead is $24 million. Like, doesn't, no chance. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look like they can do that. I know you can always try and maneuver it with the with giving him a signing bonus to start right. off but and push the money down the road. But they're already doing that, the restructure. So eventually that check's going to have to be paid. And I don't know if that's going to work out for them. You bring up McCaffrey. Jonathan Jones, who formerly was at your post there at the Charlotte Observer, reported on Monday that teams have begun calling the Carolina Panthers about McCaffrey. He said that the Panthers want a first-rounder plus some, likely a day-two pick, something that can recoup. Just any more insight on that from what you've heard about the team potentially wanting to move off of a player who has only played in 10 of the 33 possible games since Matt Rule's come to Carolina? Right. Scott Fitter has made it clear he's going to take calls on, on any player. And teams are smart to call Carolina right now in a way of – I had one uh, scout tell me that it's a smell blood in the water situation. And I had this scout compare the Robbie Anderson report when he was getting interest from the uh, New England Patriots to the Christian McCaffrey reports, meaning if you're going to deal Robbie Anderson to New England, there's no way Bill Belichick's giving you any more than a six-round pick, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> regardless of the year Robbie had, uh, he's worth a lot more than that just from a – you know, not having to eat dead cap and trying to rectify him in a new system. Well, the same applies for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, from what I've heard and just from my own two cents, I'm not sure how dealing Christian McCaffrey for essentially what sounds like 65 cents on the dollar is a short-term solution, not going to help you win now, nor a long-term solution because you're selling him at a discount. So I understand how Panther fans feel about getting – McCaffrey out of here and being injury prone. I do think his injury at the end of the year uh, was quite fluky and not tied uh, to anything he dealt with before. I thought Christian was very insightful during his exit interview saying he's going to completely reshape how he trains in the offseason and, and really just be easier on himself. He's such a workaholic and he, he sometimes he just probably wears himself down before the season even gets going. And he's yeah. already got a, you know, he already has a smaller frame as is. So you combine Christian's self-awareness and dedication to remaking his offseason program with the new offense, uh, the fact that he's a top 10 non-quarterback asset in this league anyway, and the sell low uh, position the Panthers are in with Christian McCaffrey, I don't think it makes any sense to deal him. Yeah, unless you're going to tear this thing down to the studs, which is not what they're trying to do here in year three. Exactly. They're trying to build this up and be a playoff team. It never made any sense to me to get rid of one of the best players in the National Football League, like you said, one of the top 10 non-quarterbacks. And I think when healthy, the best running back in the league. You can argue Derrick Henry. That's the only one I'd listen to, I guess, even though we're not having the argument right now. And I think it's wasted breath. But yeah, McCaffrey's a great player. And the Panthers don't need less great players, especially when they really only have one 
on the roster. And if you're not going to get maximum value for him, which I don't know what team would give them that considering right. that the first year of the four year, $64 million extension starts off this season. And you add in the injuries, which I also believe have been fluky and just bad injury luck for a player yep. who had never had it up until the past two seasons. Let me end this with you here. Hassan Reddick, obviously gone. It's just, it's very clear. He even hinted on in social media recently that he's probably not going to be back in Carolina. I can't imagine Stephon Gilmore at his age is coming, is want to stay here knowing that they don't have a solution at quarterback and he probably wants to win. And this is his last time to get paid. Dante Jackson, where do you think, I mean, from what you're, you're understanding, where are they in terms of contract talks as we're only a couple days away from other teams be able to contact him? Yeah, if they're going to retain one of those big three, it's going to be Dante. Um, and the reason being would really fall on Dante's market not being as robust as he anticipates. Uh, he could be looking at a one or two year deal in sort of and even a two year deal is a, a one year deal in this league. Right. So, yeah, um, he's he might be in a prove it situation. where just coming back to Carolina, uh, being in a familiar system, playing on a defense that should, you know, be able to pick up where it left off aside from losing Hassan Reddick. You know, Stefan's a heck of a talent, but it's not like he was a, a key part of that defense this year anyway. What he played four um, or five Mike, games? Exactly. In two of them, he actually played every snap, I think. Yeah, and he had some splash plays, but, you know, that's not how you, you build a cohesive unit, right? And he was you know, situational at best aside from, you know, a couple of those games, as you mentioned. So um, if Dante's market doesn't pan out how he envisions, he could be back here on a, on a prove-it deal. Uh, which could bode well for both sides, considering the, the Panthers cap situation and, and just the value that he would provide this defense. Like I, I understand on paper, they've got some guys they believe in, of course, in JC, CJ Henderson, even uh, Keith Taylor is another guy. Um, they, they have some guys that they're confident in. And there's a, this is a deep cornerback uh, class in terms of guys you can find on, on day three. Um in the draft that I know talking to some scouts, they, they feel confident there, but bringing him back um, would allow them to ease CJ into a spot rather than thrusting him to a starting situation, which talking to some people about CJ at the combine, um, there wasn't a lot of support for their belief in him being able to hold down a starting spot in the league quite yet. So that's a long way of saying that the Panthers are going to have to be reactionary towards Dante Jackson's market just because as we laid out, they don't really have the money to play around. Um, and if he doesn't get some a, a big offer right away, this could drag out through free agency. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for the insight there, and thanks for everything. Uh, letting us know what the quarterback situation is, what to expect that guard as it's a big uh, week for the entire organization coming up here, especially Matt Rule, Scott Fitterer. He's not on the hot seat. I can't imagine there's going to be a scenario where this time next year he's not the general manager, but, you know, anything can happen in this league. So. We'll see how it all plays out. But again, guys, Ellis Williams saw him on Twitter at Book of Ellis. Check out all his work over at the Charlotte Observer and subscribe. You guys got any deals with the paper? Yeah, I think right now uh, $3 for a month weekly subscription. Um, So come on over to the Charlotte Observer. We've got great content. Me and colleague Jonathan Alexander out here grinding, as I keep saying. So uh, we appreciate y'all. And Julian, thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. Yeah, guys, go support your local paper, the Charlotte Observer or the, the Disturber, as my English professor, Mr. Murphy, called it back at Providence High. But uh, thanks again, man. Take care.
Good stuff there with Ellis Williams from the Charlotte Observer. Make sure to follow him again on Twitter at Book of Ellis. He covers your Carolina Panthers alongside his colleague, Jonathan Alexander. And of course, Scott Fowler and the great team over there with the Charlotte Observer. One more thing I wanted to add to today's show. Zane Gonzalez, the Panthers kicker who was phenomenal last year for the team. He's had an up and down career so far, but he's played really well so far here in Carolina before having that injury prior to the Buffalo game that had Brandon Zilstra kicking off for the team. Unfortunately, on that Sunday, he has re-signed the Carolina Panthers. I believe it was a two-year deal, $4.5 million, according to Ian Rappaport. Let's look it up because I don't remember the actual content or the contract terms. Yeah, two years, four and a half million per source. So congratulations to Zane. And let's hope, fingers crossed, that he can stay healthy next year and he continues to uh, kick the way he kicked last year. He's been an 80% field goal kicker throughout his career. Again, but he's had his ups and downs, been on multiple teams, was on the Lions practice squad before the Panthers signed him here. So how reliable is he going to be long-term? We'll see. So hope to God it works. And at least there's some sort of stability coming back with special teams with him and J.J. Jansen re-signed thus far as the Panthers head into the free agency period next week. That's going to wrap it up for me here on this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday. Make sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube. If you don't watch on YouTube, that's okay. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Five stars only. And check us out on Spotify or all of the other places where you listen to this show and all your favorite shows across the Locked On Podcast Network. And be sure to follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. Tomorrow's Friday, so get those questions into me right now so I can answer them on tomorrow's show. So either at me at Julian Council or DM me at Julian Council. In the meantime, take care, be safe, and I will talk to y'all on Friday. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.